welcome to Searching for Mana, the podcast that investigates the mana. That's the superpower in some of the most influential leaders who are building the future in tech innovation and finance. I'm Lloyd Wahead, a London-born entrepreneur and headhunter with over 15 years experience on a mission to discover what drives our guests to succeed. How have they got to the top? What attributes have excelled in their career? Listen to find out. Welcome to Searching for Mana. Welcome on to Searching for Mana, James. Thank you, Lloyd. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Fuller introduction. James Herbert is the founder of Hasty, uh, founded around 2017. Uh, Hasty are a leading fintech platform who are doing many things, but um, uh, are promoting financial well-being for Britain's workforce to reduce reliance on payday loans. James um, was originally an economics grad, uh, graduated around 2003 for some context, um, and uh, and then pretty quickly off the bat um, founded Brightsparks. Uh, Brightsparks was uh, a business that James ran for 17 years or so, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I founded Brightsparks from my university bedroom. Yep. And it's, well, it's still going now, but I've handed over the reins to, to the management. Absolutely. Absolutely amazing. And, um, and, and basically a platform for connecting students to, um, to work experience. And, and there's, there's some stats that I read so, somewhere around um, directly employed 20,000 plus students and graduates, um, staffed 19,000 plus events. And, and much more. So, very impressive thing to set up from uh, your university dorm, um, James. So, we're really looking forward to going into many things in the show. Um, it's clear you're an entrepreneur, um, and and now you've got multiple um, concerns. We can we can go into both. The, to start with, it'd be really kind if you could just explain to the audience what you're up to right now with Hasty, please. Absolutely. So at Hasty, we're, we're trying to revolutionize the way people work and, and get paid. Um, what we do is we, we give people immediate access to their money as they earn it in real time, uh, increasing the frequency of pay um, to give people control over their finances. Uh, and we layer on top of that financial education, financial management tools, savings and other, other, uh, other tools to, to help people make better financial decisions and to have better control of their finances and through that improve their mental well-being, financial well-being and ultimately their productivity at work. Thank you. And we will go back through your bio so we can understand how the founding of Hasty um, came around, which is a brilliant story. Um, but just to stay in, 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 in the current time, we're um, at the beginning of March uh, 2021. And um, of course, you know, we, we've been in... Um, a pandemic for a very long period of time, which has um, affected work. Um, and Hasty have um, put together some research on how the environment has affected work. And I wondered if you could talk to us about that, please. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, every year we, we run a workplace wellbeing study, and then we do additional sort of studies on top of that, uh, particularly interesting things that come out of it. And this year, obviously, or, or the last one, obviously included the impact of the of the COVID nineteen pandemic, which has been huge. Um, we've we've seen massive impact on, on people's uh, finances. Interestingly enough, 
it's actually been quite polarizing. So you've got a group of people that are actually more financially secure now than they ever were. You know, potentially some of those people that were spending a lot of money on commuting, they're still in really good jobs and working from home. They no longer have that cost. They've not been spending money on holidays and other stuff. And you know, it's not just in the UK we've seen it, but um, you know, around the world in developed countries, the, the savings ratios have gone up. People are actually saving more. And then the flip side of that is almost 50-50. But you've got... It, uh, the, the other 53% of the workforce that are, are worse off. Um, very few people, if anyone, just the same. And, and that's really troubling. And, you, you know, those are often those in the most vulnerable positions. They're lower paid. And it's really, it's forced another 40 odd percent of people into taking on more debt. You know, people are missing out being able to buy vital purchases and, it's you know the financial stress is causing it's affecting people's sleep it's affecting people's health and it's having a really really massive hit and obviously we it's been cushioned through furlough and other government schemes that have uh, been there to support the workforce and support people um, I think we are going to see the impact of COVID on the workforce on financial health um, being something that takes a very long time to recover um, you know the, the 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 immediate health crisis physical health crisis that we are hopefully seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with, with the rollout of the vaccine and hopefully opening up again and being able to do those fun things and mix together as human beings again, will relate, yeah, relieve a lot of some of those mental stresses and the mental health issues that naturally occur as a result of isolation. Effectively, we, we, we as human beings are herd animals. Uh, the financial stress, I think we're gonna see for a very long period of time afterwards. It's interesting enough that actually um, we were still seeing, coming into this pandemic, we were still seeing the impact of the credit crisis from 2008 uh, on people's finances and the impact that that was also having on their mental health. Uh, and actually, financial stress and financial well-being is linked to, to, to physical health and, and, and death rates. Uh, poverty causes earlier death rates. Yeah, so um, it's obviously uh, really, really serious um, implications for, as you as you say, almost half the population, and and that half the population um, are closer to the demographic that Hasty are serving. Um, I, I I believe, I assume. It's it's a really interesting one. Um, my my view around all of this is just that this this is just going to be the way. This is how people will be paid going forwards. Um, and we we do actually see that, uh, and I'll, I'll come on a little bit more about it. But it was at, it was only sixty one years ago that there was a change in act in Parliament that allowed companies to pay their workforce uh, monthly. Before that, it all had to be weekly or more frequently, uh, and it wasn't done for the benefit of the worker. I can tell you that it was done for the cash flow benefits of the organisations. It was done so the banks can get and sell money on deposits uh, and to reduce the cost, obviously, of handing out at that time cash paybacks. Um, so, but it has become institutionalized over that time. And, but why? And it doesn't work for us as human beings. If you think about it, we're, we're still hunter gatherers. And the idea of hunting and gathering on day one and not eating till day 30 is totally alien to us and just doesn't really work as a concept. As human beings, we work, we operate on, on a day. We operate because of night and day and light and dark and sleeping. We operate on a week. Uh, you know, religion and other things have been in this society for so many um, generations that it, a week is a concept we can work on. And actually, we don't really, as human beings, operate on a monthly cycle. We operate on a seasonal cycle because, again, it's how it how we've evolved as a species. So day, week, seasons, this arbitrary month for pay doesn't, doesn't make sense to us. So while 
we have seen the greatest uptake from you know uh, lower paid um, workers also as you can imagine millennials and gen z so generally we see the earlier you know, younger people being more digitally native kind of makes sense it's to finance through an app uh, it, it's not definitely not only available to, to those people um, you know you'll find those on on larger salaries and further on their career might have access to a wider range of financial products and they can choose between them but once people actually get using haste they they often find it's really effective and, and it works for uh, uh, the whole workforce i mean we've got organizations like london city airport where the baggage handles are on it and it's part of the the, the suite of products that you'd expect that that the people are available, but suddenly you'll find that you know the really senior people in the organisation find a use for it, and suddenly go, actually, this is really good. And now you use it in a different way, but people are definitely coming around. There's that light bulb moment of, hang on, this really works for me in this way, and people are finding out how that works. So we'll see, I think, over the years to come, that this just becomes the way that people will pay. People will be given control over when they receive their pay, because why should people wait and be forced into using different products? Yeah, thank you. And if we think about the mechanism that you at the moment uh, um, are setting people up on Hasty um, via, so it's um, it's forming relationships with the um, the employer uh, of different sizes, and um, and then it, uh, an employee there is eligible to um, utilize Hasty. And in what form? You're not using um, credit cards, are you? You're using more of a debit card mechanism that someone can draw down their pay as they've earned it, but it would be um, due in a week, two, three, however far away you are from payday. Can you just explain that um, specifically, please? Absolutely. So so the, the, we work, we come in and work with the employer uh, and it's a sort of three-party arrangement between us, our, you know, Hasty, the, the employer uh, and the workforce. Um, and actually that that link between the three is really really powerful and positive because it it means that we're all got the same incentives of working together and there's a very positive multiplier effect as a result we can come on to that a little bit later um the the most simple but you know, the basic product is that you can access your earnings you can see the budgeting tools the financial management tools and of course withdraw your earnings in real time via the app uh, and then about a year ago, we launched the world's first debit card that gives people immediate access to their own pay. So effectively, what it does is uh, it turns your accrued income, so the money that you've earned in, uh, through the month before you get it, effectively into your current account. Um, and the crucial thing here is it's a debit card because it's your money. It's not a credit card. You've earned that money. On day one of the month, you've earned day one's pay. On day five of the month, you've earned the first five days' pay. What we do at Hasty through the app and also through through our debit card uh, with Visa uh, is to give you access to that straight away. And it's your money, as you say. So, James, um, of those three people in that um, that arrangement, the employer um, is in all instances not agreeing to forward the pay. I'm just going to assume you guys are floating that or or are you arranging with some or all that they will change the mechanism of how they pay? I assume not. No, no. So there are basically two aspects to to what to, to our business. There's the technology side of things, and the technology yeah. is based on three underlying principles, which is identity, you know, who is working for who, time, when are they working, and when would they be paid, uh, and value. So how much is that? How much value is attributed to that time? So we know how much people are earning in real time. 
So those three principles underlie the technology. And using that technology, we therefore know who's working for who and how much they're earning. And the technology facilitates us paying them. We then have the debt side of the business. Uh, so we are, you know, we, we, we've organized a, a very considerable 200 million pound debt facility. And uh, that enables us to fund those withdrawals, pay those wages on behalf of the company when they do it. So the company then pays us back at the end of the month when they would normally pay their, their workforce. So there's no cash flow impact to them. We front the money from that point of view. We provide that in advance. So the worker gets to receive their pay. And then it's the responsibility of the company to pay us back. Because you know the key thing here is we're facilitating the company paying their, their employee the money that is rightfully theirs. We just sit in the middle of it to make it all happen. With um, most startups, um, there are considerable challenges to get what you are now almost three, four years down the path. Um, and of course, uh, it sounds like you have a very focused, defined mission. It sounds brilliant. It sounds like a solution that is being adopted and will carry on being adopted, completely vibe it. Um, but I wonder if we could just pause and think about what maybe the biggest or biggest challenges have been so far. Um, absolutely. That, I think the biggest challenge uh, is changing the way people think about their pay. Um, you know, we've come on quite a journey over the last few years. And, you know, the, the first objection to receive is, hey, hey, you're Wonga. And it's like, no, we're not. We're the exact opposite of Wonga. Wonga and payday loans, the way they operate is they, you know, you go to them because you need to borrow money to get through to when you get paid your money. Now, just because Wongo went bust doesn't suddenly mean that everyone's solved their cash flow problems, that suddenly everyone's got perfect liquidity. In fact, actually, the studies we said, you mentioned, actually show that the demise of Wonga and the likes has actually put some people into more financial stress because they were depending on it. It's the only place they could go. But we're the exact opposite. We solve the same problem in a much more equitable and responsible way because what we do is rather than having to borrow money to get to payday, you can choose your payday you choose when you receive the money you've already earned it's rightfully yours so you're no longer forced into payday loans overdrafts high cost credit of any sort credit cards because you can access your pay in real time and yeah. one of the other things we're seeing is this link between effort and reward um really appeals to to um uh, how people operate and it's people are really developing much more um a much better relationship with their finances, a much a better understanding of the, the value of their time. They're spending more wisely as a result. They're looking after their finances much better and actually being motivated to do more work. Uh, I mean, it's remarkable, actually. The, one of our one of the security companies we work with, Matt, so Matt who, who leads the uh, HR at CDX Security, came back saying, I think if Hasty users are doing 77% more overtime than they were doing before. You know, we're seeing this across the shift workforce and the rail workforce that people are doing well over 20% more work than they were doing before because that link between effort and reward, they can see that. So, yeah. you know, we, we, there's, there's money has a time value. So, you know, a hundred pounds today is worth more than a hundred pounds next week, particularly if you've got expenses that need spending today. Yeah. That's, that's such a, that's such an interesting um, nuance to think about. And it makes me think about, I suppose, the different um, side of that. So you've got their um, shift workers, um, realizing well if i do more hours today then tomorrow i get the money if i'm not sure it's that that soon but let, let's just say that is the case it's actually it's actually quicker i mean we know through our technology geolocation timestamp date stamp technology where people are supposed to be at what time they can click out of that we know we get the data coming from 
you know, those employers' uh, workforce management systems. And, you know, within seconds later, they can have it in their account. So, so like, so, so at the end of your shift, so if I'm like, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's 3 p.m., and um, I'm, I'm working to six and somebody's like, look, there's actually a couple more hours you could do. I'm like, well, if I do those couple more hours at eight, I will have that extra money. This is such an immediate incentive. So I can see how that works. What about businesses where they um, pay people upside beyond um, uh, an hourly or basic rate, such as um, bonuses or commission? Can that be built into the, the, the system? I mean, because our technology is built on those three principles, it can work across all the above. The, 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 the complication actually comes into what the contractual relationship is between the, the company and, and the employee around commissions. So, for example, when are they actually earned? Might there be a, a rebate, for example, if a product is sent back and returned? How is it calculated? Do they actually have software that knows when people are actually earning that commission? So yeah. the complication is not from our side because effectively it's identity, time and value. We can do. We can suck up all of that information. It's whether we can get that information from the employer, and actually, at what point are bonuses and commissions and that type of thing done? But it, it's also that from a motivation point of view, it's it's not just the variable and shift workers that can be motivated to do more, uh, but the productivity gains help as well with you know reduced sick days and absenteeism uh, it, for salaried workers. You know, financial stress is the single biggest cause of poor mental health. Um, you know, our study that you mentioned uh, found that 28% of the workforce, their sleep is being affected as a result of financial yeah. stress um, and their work is being affected by it. So you simply have a happier, financially healthier workforce. They are being yeah. more productive and therefore, you know, the reduced absenteeism. So it's great for business, whether you're running shifts business or whether you're running, uh, you know, you've got lots of salaries, workers across a, a wider range yeah. of roles and, and seniority. I can, No, I can understand the feeling of seeing it coming into your account as you go. And that being, as it, you rightly, Felicia, is yours, is, the, is, is akin to what um, some of the, you know, fintech apps have been trying to do where you, you you know you kind of uh assuming what you're saving in the future but you don't actually have it at that moment it's not real um so there's loads of interesting things we could keep discussing there about psychology really which is you know part of it is i can see the the the, the positive short-term psychology i suppose some people might argue you know the the monthly parameters for some people um put a put an amount of discipline in when and how they manage now of course it doesn't mean you can't do that and i'm sure you're seeing people do that even if it accrues daily um but that's 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 one thing i suppose you could worry about is just but what if somebody spends it as they go and then by the time they get to the end of the month they aren't able to meet bills i mean of course that's a risk um chances are that if they have those requirements and they have those necessary expenses then they're having to turn to other sources there's also a choice around how you can do this. You know, you, you talk to uh, that type of objections when you often get from, from finance departments and, and from HR, they tend to be quite well organized around, you know, I'm the, I pay my mortgage on the first of the month because I get paid on the last of the month. It's set up there. I'm really happy yep. with that. But if you think about it, that if you actually were able to pay your mortgage down two weeks earlier, so you've earned the money through the month. And on the 15th of the month, you've earned enough money to be able to pay down your mortgage. 
rather so rather than paying it in the, in the first of the next month, you pay it down two weeks earlier. You're saving two weeks of compound interest on your mortgage payment every single month, and it's your money, right? So why don't you do that? If you're well enough organised to wait until the end of the month to do it, well. Just be well enough organized to pay it two weeks earlier and save two weeks of compound interest on your single biggest asset for your entire life. Um, yeah. So you've got to change the way that people think about that and give people choice. You know, the vast majority of people, you know, you're out to vote at the age of 18, yet you're not being allowed to, you're not allowed to uh, choose when you spend the money that's rightfully yours. You're not even allowed to choose when you receive the money that's rightfully yours. You know, we, we, there's been this sort of, um, uh, controlling, People are doing it for the right reasons, and, and absolutely, you know, the, the reasons why people are looking at it is sort of this paternal, maternal type instinct that you know, people often want to protect their, their workforce from blowing all their money earlier, um, which is very noble, but actually, it's just not what we see. Um, the fact that people are able to control when they see it, they're linking that effort to reward. You know, you don't get to the end of the month, suddenly you get a, a big pay packet. There's no real direct correlation to what you did to get it. And then you go and blow it on a pair of trainers you don't need. Actually, when people are looking at the app and they're seeing how the uh, their, 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 their earnings are going up and actually, hang on, I've got to do, I've, I've, I've got to work two or three days to get that that you know, new pair of trainers I really don't need. You know what? I'm just not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to save that money. I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to put that into one of those saving wallets and, and spend it on a holiday or, or, or something meaningful that I want. Um, you know, so it, the, the, that relationship with people's income is proving to be really, really positive. Um, yeah. And just because people might choose to receive their pay differently is not a bad thing. And I say it used to be weekly or more frequently up until only 60 years ago. And that's now now um, now changing, and technology, and and obviously all of the bits around what we do, the technology and the facility, and all of the other funding to make this work, are changing that back again to being, hey, hang on a minute, this goes back to how we operate as human beings, um, and it appeals, and because of that link, it, it's so powerful. It's that it's that psychology link that 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 drives positive relationship with your earnings, with your your work, and really powerful positive human behaviours. Yeah, absolutely. And there's not. Um, I was just playing devil's advocate there's 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 not a person who doesn't want to be um in control of their finances and feel like they've got the freedom to make the sensible or not choices that they want so it makes complete sense so we so don't force anyone to use it. it it's exactly it just gives them control so they can use it how that works best for them and provides yeah. them with the education around it as well to to help them better understand the options out there and uh you know manage their finances managing their finances better so um in terms of the 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 product we have um we have a good understanding now um I, I also would like to understand um from founding to date the company so the internal journey that you've gone on I, I think you have somewhere around um fifty staff uh, something like this um what have you done in terms of um raising capital um how have you gone about that um how have you gone about putting a team around you? The, the insides of the company, please, James. Yeah, so I guess I'd, I'd learned a few lessons from, from my first experience, um, which definitely, definitely helped. And um, the with regards to sort of the, the operations of founding it, it was a slightly different approach, this one, this, this one. I almost kind of sort of accidentally built the last one much bigger than I'd planned to. I, it was kind of I 
kind of figured it would just be a stop back where I went and got my real job. And then I realized actually that was going to become my real job. And my real job ultimately has been uh, being a founder and um, growing businesses. So the, the, but the, you know, the, the second time around, it was a bit more structured, like more, more research went into it. It was more complex because of obviously the regulatory requirements to it and the financial elements and everything else. But maybe if I tell you, so the, the, the journey came from the light bulb moment perhaps was working, you know, at Bright Sparks. And, you know, as you mentioned, it's employed about 20,000, uh, mainly students and graduates and working with events and, and hospitality. And if you take an example like Royal Ascot, so beginning of the summer, summer holidays, uh, there'll be 200 staff working for that business, you know, across the week of, of Royal Ascot, and it runs from Tuesday to Saturday. And you get to, let's say, the round numbers that people are earning £100 a day. Uh, obviously, it's the start of the, the university holidays. Everyone's blown, whatever student loan they have, they've maxed out their overdraft and their, their credit card. They've been partying end of end of uh, end of exams, and it's now time to go and earn the money. So. Yeah, they work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The problem is by, by Friday, you've probably got 15, 20% of the workforce phoning up saying, I want to work, but I can't afford the train fare. So if they had 20 pounds to pay for the train to get there to work, they could earn 200. So they're in what I call the cash trap. And of course, the irony there is they've worked Monday, Tuesday, sorry, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to get there. And that's rightfully their money, but it's just, you can't get it to them because you're still waiting to find out what hours they actually worked. And then you pay them a week later because they paid really, you know, really well. But then that company doesn't receive money until, you know, normal, you know, payment terms, 60, 90 days, end of month and everything else. So you, you, it's just impossible to do at company level, really. Uh, and the impact of that person is obviously a negative for the person who can't work because they're fit and able and want to go and earn. It's a negative yeah. for the company because obviously they want the people there because that's their product. And it's a negative for the end user, the punter, because actually by Friday, Saturday, you've got a great repertoire with the people that are in the box. They know how the bars are working and everything else. And just a better customer experience by having a really stable team, you know, working through, through the whole week. And, and the light bulb was, hang on, how can I fix that? And that was where the idea of Hasty came from. And because it came from uh, uh, the, you know, that experience, we were able to have, I was able to have the time to really research into it, look into it, speak to the lawyers, work out the sort of regulatory requirements. And, and it was a much you know, more structured approach of building out the thesis of, is this, this is going to work? Can this work? Et cetera. And then off the back of that, I, uh, I had some savings myself, which I, I invested in to, to get off the ground. And I, I've, found a few sort of you know angels to that believed in me enough um, to to put in put in some money uh, interestingly enough I, I quite quickly in that process discovered that we weren't eligible for SEIS and EIS so a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast will probably know about uh, EIS and SEIS they're a, a great tool um, now we didn't qualify because of the nature of our business and financial services and actually while it possibly didn't necessarily help the uh in some ways in other ways it was really actually quite helpful because it meant that any angel i was meeting to raise money was in it purely for the business reasons they either saw it or they didn't and we had a, had a great hit ratio of um you know meeting the investor and and get some investment so we rolled, rolled that over uh and ultimately had the advantage that we had a ready-baked first customer that you know we started i raised enough money to build a tech team and to map it out and to build the mvp and that mvp went to my my previous business for, for price box um and, and that was really powerful so there was a you know milestone moment on the uh on the 10th of august uh 2017 we we launched the mvp of the app invited people to use it 
people used it on day one. They downloaded it. They took money out, and the money went from our bank account to their bank account, so we knew it. And on day two, someone worked another shift, and they did it again and actually paid for it. So on day two of our MVP, we were a revenue-generative fin fintech, uh, which was a big stamp of approval. Yeah, uh, and you know that that thesis of you know as you can imagine after 15 years of running a, a growing business and involving you know those thousands of students i had a pretty good idea that they would like it <laughs> I, I put my life savings into founding it i was you know pretty confident um and and i was pretty relieved when that happened that 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 you know, that hypothesis did turn out right and then after we proved it it was then a matter of raising more money at various stages um I kind of did a rolling seed round because every time there was an important milestone, we could up the valuation. And obviously, you know, you want to minimize dilution as much as possible. Um, so we did this rolling seed round and then we started getting a few more sort of professional investors involved, growing the team. Um, you know, when we, we, we've raised a fair, fair chunk of cash now uh, over the years and we've acquired, a, at the end of last year, we acquired a, a Spanish business. So we've now got you know, people working, well, because of working remotely, we've got our base in London, but people working around the UK, wherever they are for the various lockdowns. We've got people in Barcelona and Madrid. We've got people working in Kiev uh, and investors from, you know, UK and Europe and, um, uh, you know, beyond. It's very, um, it's very, it's very exciting. Thanks for talking us through that. As, um, as an entrepreneur, how are you um, looking at it right now? Because, it sounds like you still might, because of how you set it up and it got traction straight away and how you brought angels on, you really believed in it, fully control the business. Um, do you have these different choices to make, don't you? You can just let it go and bring in as much money as possible and just try and go for the absolute big bang. Or you can do something in the middle or you can uh, really try and control the business, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting the impression here that obviously it's, it's, it's uh, somewhere slightly right to the middle. But um, where are you right now with your thinking? You know, how big do you want this to be? How aggressive are you on that? And what are you doing about control? Um, I, I, I really, we can build something really huge here. Um, as, I, as I mentioned, I think everyone in the future will be paid this way. Uh, and we have an opportunity to, to build something that's as big as those high street banks and those global banks. There's no doubt about it. I want to build a business that's that scale. Um, and the opportunity is here. I think there's not many industries, there's not many ideas, and I've, I've invested in a few things over the time, but there really aren't many things that have the opportunity to be really, really huge. And the huger we are, the bigger the positive impact we can have on society. You know, we improve the productivity of people, of their organizations they work for, and at scale of you know, the productivity of economies. Um, and we can build a really, really powerful business by uh, giving a really good service to people through through. You know, our core products of earned wage access, as well as all the different layers of uh, of sophistication and other product we can put on top. We can give a fantastic service to people and we can build a really, really big business. Now, to build something that big, I'm going to end up with a really small share of it. Absolutely. Um, but I'm, you know, there's a big mission here. And I'd much rather you know, have a, uh, solve that mission uh, um, and have a big impact and control less of it. Then uh, you know, then keep it keep it small. That's just not going to work. And, and and on top of that, actually, the simple dynamics of what we do require a scale. You know, scale. So we do need to scale this to make it really work um, for us and our investors. But also, you know, it, the benefits of doing this at scale uh, are, are very positive for the end users as well. So yeah, it's uh, a small bit of uh, and obviously as large a bit as I can possibly keep. But um, you know, a small amount of a big thing is definitely the plan. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, that's very cool. Very exciting. Um, what's the big next 
um, pillar that you're excited to get to? Um, I mean, we've just completed uh, our first acquisition. Um, it's the first acquisition I've ever done uh, as well uh, as a lead. So uh, that was pretty big and a lot of time on Zoom. As you can imagine, it's been, it wasn't the easiest thing to do when you're sort of meeting the team and trying to get the entire deal done over Zoom. And, uh, so yeah, I'm really excited about betting that team in. And, uh, you know, we've got some great people that, are, that were with us already. We've complemented that with some great people from the other organization, um, putting that mix and, and getting, you know, making us greater than some of our parts, uh, expanding across Europe and, and beyond uh, is, is really exciting. And, uh, yeah, you know, just just carrying on, getting the card into the hands of more people, getting more people with the chance to actually experience it, seeing how that human behaviour changes as you as those those people get get used to it and start to rethink their finances and start to rethink the way that 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 their relationship between how they work and the fruits of their labour, and uh, and we've got so much cool product that we're trying to roll out that um, yeah, really really just improve that you know frictionless access to pay, drive productivity through financial control and financial health. Thank you, James. Um, just to change gears, um, let's let's look back at um, some of your journey. So when's, if we go back as far as possible, when's, when's the first time you really remember thinking about who you might be in the world of work or as an entrepreneur? Um, I don't know. It's uh, I think I think I kind of just iterate as I go quite a lot. I, I'm I'm a very passionate person, um, so I don't, I'm not sure there was any sort of real moment in time. But um, I've always kind of done stuff. I've always asked why, and why do you do that way? Why why don't I do this way? And it, I'm, now I know it wound up my parents a great deal. Um, <laughs> you know, can you go and do that? Well, I'm going to do it this way. Why? Well, I'm going to no, I know why should I do that? I want to do it this way. And, and change and challenge those things. So um, I think that's always been in it. And I think that's the, one of the key to, to why I do what I do is because I'm kind of like, well, why does it have to be that way? Why, why can't we do it this way? And would that re rethink things and challenge things? I mean, I, my, my first proper, I guess, uh, entrepreneurial experience is I remember uh, at school, I built a screen printer um, in DT and then started printing T-shirts in the art department uh, and then selling them over the summer holidays. Uh, so I started a little T-shirt business and actually uh, I found one of the T-shirts from all those years ago in the uh, last time I was at, at home um, in my parents' house in the summer, Windblown it was called. And uh, yeah, those T-shirts are still knocking about. There's one or two people I sold it to that are still wearing them. So that, that was quite fun and a good experience. But it's always kind of been in, in my blood. I think yeah. my mum... My around her own business she was a co-founder of a clothing business and i know i i was passed around the boardroom uh while i was still a, a tiny tiny baby so maybe it's just been in the in the blood since then and and then through that you know i kind of stumbled across founding bright sparks in a way um so you were let's 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 understand that by the way you should bring that t-shirt business back that's hot stuff right now you get get a load of um t-shirts for tech companies in the UK and it'll 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 I'll sign up. <laughs> we gave out hasty t shirts for the whole team for Christmas. They're so able to order them and get them online. So amazing. Yeah, you know, uh, the rag trade is definitely <laughs> one that's uh, got a bit of affinity for. 
so if we go to that moment at university, you were studying um, economics. Where was it? Where were you at uni? I was at, I was at Durham. You were at Durham studying economics. Um, fill in the picture. What 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 happened for you to start thinking about um, your own business? So I I worked I'd worked within events and hospitality um, for as soon as I could basically. You know I quite enjoyed bars uh, and pubs. Still do. Uh, fortunately, this time, I spend, you know, when they open again, uh, we'll spend the time on the on the right side of the bar rather than working behind them sometimes, and, and you do that. But you know, I enjoyed working behind the bar. I, I love working with people and the buzz and everything that comes. So throughout yep. my time, um, you know, uh, uh, as soon as I was eighteen, I, I generally did like bar jobs and stuff like that just to earn some change. While you know, I could then buy more T-shirts, print them, and sell them on, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, one of the th- I, I worked for a, for an employment agency uh, to do that, and I thought, and I happened to be working along. You know, it was at Lords actually cricket ground, and there was that light bulb moment. And I happened to be in the box next to the director or one of the directors of staffing at Lords, and said, "Hey, well, why why don't you employ more students?" And they say, "We can't." I say, "Hey, well, I, you know, leave it to me. Give me a number, I'll get you." And that was kind of the birth of it. So it was more the fact that there was an opportunity. It was a job I enjoyed doing. Uh, and I, I basically wanted to create the job that I wish I'd had as a student. So we took it from there and I made the phone calls and I spoke to mates and we you know, got a couple of coaches, laid a couple of coaches on. And I took uh, 100 people to go and work at Royal Ascot. And, and that was kind of the birth of it. And I, it then became a real thing. I, at the time, having studied economics, you know, the normal path from, from there was you go into investment banking or to consulting or to county or to law. Um, I was going to go into investment banking. Uh, I didn't get the job the first time around that I wanted, so I started Bright Sparks while I looked for my proper job. While I was doing that, I also was lucky enough to get some experience within Lloyds of London, the uh, the insurance market, which was super interesting. Really enjoyed the time there, learned a lot, and that's definitely helped helped the business here because we were the first and only people to get uh, you know we were the first of its kind insurance wrapper on what we're doing, which which matters and understanding the Lloyd's yeah. market really helps that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, set, set, set it up while I was looking for my proper job, um, employed someone else to run it with me because actually it was going reasonably well um, at that time. And you know, one of the key things that it's starting ever since that stage, I, I wasn't able to go out and raise capital. We had to make money from day one. So it was a tight, slightly different business to, to this one where you raise a bucket load of cash and we'll make profit sometime in the future. Uh, that was, we've well, got to make profit. You've got to make profit. So did that, hired someone, eventually found the job I thought I wanted as an investment banker at JP Morgan Casnove, and uh, quite quickly realized I didn't want to do that uh, after all. Um, uh, and uh, after, after six months, we, we agreed to go different ways. Um, I'm not sure I was the, the, the model employee uh, at that point. Um, I kept running the other business on you know, evenings and weekends and uh, went back to Bright Spots and you know, 15 years later, Launched Tasty, having employed twenty thousand people, and was, had it ready to hand over the reins to the to the management team. So, um, yeah, that was the journey. So, a few things. A few things. Firstly, um, my friend runs a catering business, and uh, called Kalichi. I don't know if you know him. And uh, and they they used to um, cater at cricket ground cricket grounds like the Oval Lords, and he and he'd employ people um, to be behind the bar. There's another business called Creative, who's another friend of mine, Creative Events, who I think might have sold now. And about the same time you were setting up, they absolutely kicked off. They just started um, getting a load of grads who would, um, you know, turn up and serve beer at uh, various like festivals. Were you on the other side of that? Were you, uh, was Bright Sparks? Yeah, well, so Creative 
um, we were we, they were my first, well, they were one of our first clients. So uh, yeah. uh, you know, Adrian, what have you there, Tosh, yeah, yeah. Andy, um, and Ian, yeah. they they were the four four guys. And actually, we started working with them when they uh, won the contract to do the XL and Olympia contract. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was the start of the year, and just about to go into the ideal home show, which was a about 40 days of continuous exactly the same thing it's actually you know i think the groundhog day effects of doing 40 days of the same show in that same room probably prepared us all very well for uh, for lockdown um <laughs> in hindsight but yeah no they're exactly the guys we're working with so it's yeah, clients yeah, like sodexo and wembley and ascot and yeah. all of those guys and then venues like excel center and you know working working with creative and actually that company those guys did sell um, yeah. And they've started a different business, and and their their new business is a client of of, uh, of Bright Spots now as well. So those relationships are still there. Yeah, it makes it because it, it, I'm just computing it together because I actually did one shift for um, Creative because uh, Ollie, who'd gone to Kingston Grammar, um, said we've uh, we've got a contract at some some race day, but we don't have anyone who can come. So can you just come? And I was like, okay, all right, fine. And it was a great day. It was really fun. Um, pouring basically like 10p lemonade into a pint glass and then charging people five quid for it. Um, I enjoyed that. But uh, <laughs> um, that, that was very early days for them. But so they were winning these contracts. And then uh, what uh, your company was doing is getting the 10, 100, however many staff it might be to, 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 to turn up. And so how did that work for you for the first like few years? When was the moment where you're like, not just I can like, manage the cash flow because like you say it's it was it's the reverse of hasty today where you get a big amount of money um when was the moment where you're like either i can manage the cash flow and then actually this 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 pays quite nicely yeah so you know we were able to to raise a bit of money to scale um we were able to use factoring um which was key for cash flow and then you could run you know, you, we were able to run that that money straight back in so paying those staff promptly was key yeah. and that's why yeah. you know we did a we did a brand development exercise and re, you know, we we had a brand refresh and we surveyed a lot of our loyal workers and why do you actually do it and what more could we do and obviously it's you know we'd love to be paid a bit more and we'd love to be paid quickly and one of the reasons we work for you is because you pay well and you pay faster than the other guys um, and then we also you know there was other good stuff there as like you know, we've got a good relationship with the team there we really like brown we like we like being treated like human beings rather than being you know a number so all of that really mattered and and it's and and that but that also led on to the fact hang on a minute if we could pay you quicker well, i'd love to pay you quicker but that's the quickest we can do it because of this but you know obviously hasty totally changes that and goes well you know those guys are getting paid as soon as they finish right they yeah. check out check out in the app and uh they can have the money in their in their account seconds later so whilst all this is going on um be nice for us to understand you know james 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 the human um, you, you obviously had a lot of success in business, but also it's clearly stressful when it's a business that you're founding and scaling yourself. Um, what have you been doing outside of work? Could you um, just kind of fill that picture in? You know, uh, you're you, you a family man now, or you um, you are one of London's most prolific bachelors? What what what, what what's going on? <laughs> yeah, no, I wish. Uh, well, that would have taken a dive through lockdown. Now, I, I, I'm a family one. Uh, I, I'm, I have a fantastic family, married. Uh, Lex um, is a you know fantastic wife and great mum, and I've got two little girls. 
uh, Roxy and Flo. The the youngest's birthday actually is third birthday on on Saturday, uh, and they keep me very busy. Um, so yeah, you know, there's there's that element to it. Um, I don't like sitting still. Um, it's definitely a trait of mine that I, I like to be busy. So they keep me busy, even but I love I love sport particularly. Um, I, I used to play a lot of rugby, but that that's kind of out the window some years ago, particularly with a back problem. And uh, and then uh, things like kite surfing, sailing. Uh, I grew up by the sea in Norfolk, and I, I love being on the water, skiing, and things like that when you can. So where where are you now? Where are you based now? Uh, Central London. So yeah, I live in live in West London. The office. I'm yeah, in, in the office at the moment to do this recording because the the internet's somewhat better and more reliable. Um, so still possibly into the office. So 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 no, I get it. Family and and uh, a business like Hasty's is 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 full on. What what are you planning next? You know, I know Hasty could be, and I'm sure it will be, all consuming forevermore, and it will become a high street. Uh, bank or, or what, what, what? Maybe not on the high street, whatever it might be. But do you have other aspirations as well when you think about what you want to do in the future? I, I, I think I just want to leave a really positive impact. Um, I think if we can, if we can have a positive impact on lots of people's lives at scale uh, and uh, deliver something of real value, uh, then we can make a very successful business, and we deserve to make a very successful business out of it. But um, I'm, I'm very mission driven. I think that's something that's evolved over time through through this journey. I think I was probably more money driven in the earlier days when when I was a bachelor and there was different ways to spend it and everything else. But um, I think over, over the years and particularly having kids, there's, there's an element of like a legacy that I want, I want to leave. I want to try and you know make the world a better place to some extent, if we can have a big positive impact on, on society, then then that will be really valuable. And, you know, that positive multiplier effect and, and drive that forward. Uh, yeah, the old the old phrase that my grandpa used to say, uses, you can give a man a fish, he feeds his family, you teach a man to fish, you uh, they can feed his family forever. So it's, it's providing that long-term positive multiplier effect that can have a big impact, a big positive impact. And, I really just think this is a great place where we can do it. I don't think there are many places. I can't think of many, um, many other businesses uh, where we can do it. I'm fully focused on what we can do here. I haven't started considering uh, what, what next. I think what next is what next bit of product can we do? What next is what ne- you know, next partnership? And you know, how can we, we enhance the service that we do? How can we roll this out and get it into the hands of more people so that more people have that positive impact? How can we, you know, to develop the product to to provide more value to those people and so on and so forth. There's so much that we can do here that I, I don't really have the bandwidth to, to even consider um, what next. Uh, I yeah. hope I hope there's never a what next. I hope we make this sufficiently successful. We float it. I can stay involved for as long as I'm adding real value, and then by the end of it, I've made enough money that I don't have to worry about what next. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, and and like you say, it combines having a brilliant end result with social mission and better experience for the, the customers, uh, all three of them. And um, also it's such a, such a clear kind of good trajectory that path that you're on already. So look, all, 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 the, um, all the best wishes on that. And just to, just to finish, James, um, just ask everybody, because the show is searching for Mana, um, what um, you would say throughout your career or now is is really James's mana and mana being your uh, your superpower, your magic? Probably tenacity, just the ability to keep going, to work 
harder than the other guy to to you know not get too put off by knockdowns, bounce back, brush yourself up, and and go again. Um, yeah, I think tenacity is probably the bit that's just guided me. Well, you uh, you keep using that tenacity and mana of yours, and I'm very excited to see uh, where Hasty goes next. And all the best. Thank you very much. Chris. Cheers, James. Take care. Bye bye.